Unexplained, keeping you on top of all things down under. In this episode of Australia Explained, we break down the housing crisis, how it started, how it's currently going and what the future holds. Hello everyone, my name is Tanya Ragusa. And I'm Vanessa Di Grazia. And welcome back to our last episode for 2021. Oh, for a second I forgot what year it was. <laughs> oh no, I was about to say 2022. Yes, we're not there yet. Our last episode. We're recording today um, on Wurundjeri land. We're in Brunswick, which traditional name is called Irimu, which I actually didn't know that until recently. So little fact for anyone that lives in the north of Melbourne. <laughs> there you go. And once again, ties into the importance of learning about the country that you're on, some of the traditions and practices and history. Love that. So today we're talking about houses. And as two young people (laughs) or, you know, people in our 20s, this is a topic that we try and avoid generally because it gives us a lot of anxiety. But it's quite important because last month, November, brought about the 14th consecutive month where house prices in Australia have risen as part of this larger trend since the pandemic started. We have now seen house prices grow by 22% in the past year alone, with the median house price in Sydney at $1.36 million (laughs) and Melbourne at $986,000. So, it's safe to say that long gone are the days where you could whip up a quarter acre block for around $35,000. Yeah, and it's also safe to say that wages have not increased by 22% <laughs> in that time period. I'm definitely not earning so that amount of money. something doesn't add up. Um, yeah. So there is a lot of anxiety, especially among millennials and Gen Z, like you and me, that will never be able to buy a house. And getting into the market will only become more difficult. You know, you save for a deposit and then by the time you've saved the house costs 20% more and you need to save more. And it's it's really hard to keep floating with that. Um, in fact, data from the last census found that home ownership rates for people aged 30 to 34 dropped 15% between 1971 and 2016, which is a pretty big change. Mm. And we're going to explore why this has happened and what the future looks like for the housing market. Um, so for anyone that's interested in buying a property, but even people that are renting who are also affected by housing prices in reflected in their own rental prices, um, you may want to continue listening. So the first question we want to ask ourselves is why has this housing price boom occurred? And like everything lately, we need to discuss the issue in both pre-pandemic and post-pandemic contexts. It's like BCE. Like- yeah, like BCE <laughs> and now common era. With COVID, like completely different periods of yeah, time. definitely. Um, prior to 2019, so before COVID, BC, um, Australia had seen around 25 years of solid economic growth. You know, Australian cities were growing rapidly due to immigration and there were huge demand for houses in our capital cities. Yeah, and Dr. Greg Schwain, a professor at the University of Melbourne, puts this demand for houses down to something he calls the brick and mortar fixation, which is I guess the more traditional desire to invest in a large house rather than other asset groups such as stocks or I don't know what we're seeing now, NFTs or crypto or whatever. And I definitely see this amongst my baby boomer parents um, that they aren't equipped 
or don't have the literacy to to understand things like stocks. They have always just thought that buying a house was your mm-hmm. biggest asset. My parents are the same. Yeah, and notice how I said that people wanted to invest in large houses because large houses are obviously very expensive and that automatically brings the price up. But occurring at the same time as this massive demand for houses and growing immigration was also a growing number of double income families, meaning that couples were willing to pay more on a house with the assumption that the value will continue to multiply in future. Mm -hmm. And of course, with what we know about basic economics, when people demand something, it needs to be supplied. Supply and demand, baby. Yeah. <laughs> the, the golden <laughs> rule. Um, and when enough houses couldn't be supplied, the prices of the remaining ones on the market skyrocketed as more people competed over a small pool of available properties. So when the pandemic hit, it was expected that the housing market would crash because people were facing financial difficulty and that they couldn't afford to buy new properties. Many were worried that the ban on immigration would also cause house prices to drop dramatically. But instead, they did the complete opposite, confounded everybody, Mm. and continued to rise. What's that about? (laughs) Yeah, this had something to do with our historically low interest rates, which we're seeing at the moment, but we'll discuss a little bit later. But also the fact that a lot of people accumulated a lot of savings due to lockdown. So when people couldn't go out and spend their money, they kept that money and accumulated a nice little house deposit in their bank account. Therefore, as we emerged out of you know our multiple lockdowns, people had money to spend and, to much of a surprise to everyone, a lot of money. Uh, in November 2020, actually, a record $23 billion in housing loans were taken out, which just shows how much people, you know, defied all expectations and came out of lockdown wanting to buy. And, of course, that puts a lot of pressure on our housing market as well. Mm-hmm. And I just want to make a quick point here. This kind of really highlights the difference between the haves and the have-nots in the sense that people that already had secure income, usually full-time income, um, were able to keep their jobs and work from home and save all that money. So it was a good financial position for them. And then you have the complete opposite. People in casual work, um, less reliable work, completely lost their jobs and had no money. So it's kind of widened the gap in that sense in mm-hmm. that COVID offered increased security to some and so much difficulty to others. So you have people that have saved whole house deposits and people that don't have a home. Like it's a really big difference and just wanted to point that out there. Yeah, definitely. Um, back to talking about the housing market. So for 25 years, we've seen the housing market continue to boom. And this raises concerns about a bubble forming, which is waiting to burst. This is dialogue was used with the US housing crisis in which so many homes were bought and the market grew at such a rate that eventually it just stopped and everything burst. was devalued. Yeah, yeah, everything burst. Um, so now a lot of people are asking themselves, When will this tide turn? When will our housing market eventually burst? Yeah, and the concerns about a bubble rise, especially because some data showed that when there is such a bubble around the housing market and it booms at such an unexpected rate, that that houses are actually valued perhaps 10% more than what they should be. Mm -hmm. So, of course, when that bubble bursts and prices begin to drop, they drop dramatically, way beyond anyone's expectations. So... The risk of a housing bubble bubble is also concerning considering that our population growth has been falling since September 2020 with no international rivals for so long and 
This means that there could be a boom in vacant properties in the near future that would also drive prices down as home buyers are spoiled for choice. Okay, now let's get into the nitty-gritty economics that are a little bit tedious, but they're really important to know. So keen listening ears on, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Let's work through it together. So what are interest rates and how do they impact housing prices? Yeah, so whenever we have heard about the housing crisis lately, the one thing that always pops up is the fact that interest rates have remained low for quite a while now, almost a year. And there is increasing pressure to raise interest rates in order to drive house prices down. And some might hear that and think, wait, how can you raise interest rates, but this might lower house prices? So we're going to explain how exactly this relationship works. Yeah. So let's break it down. We know that buying a house is clearly very expensive and rarely ever you will have all of the money to cover the full price. So therefore, when you're interested in buying a house, most likely, unless you are very, very rich, I'm very jealous, (laughs) you'll need to take out a mortgage. So a mortgage is a loan from the bank that you use to purchase a house. And the size of this loan is dependent on lots of things, such as your income, credit history, debt, spending. Yeah. And There is always a bit of risk for banks when they lend out mortgages because there is a small chance that people may not be able to pay the money back for whatever reason. And this would be bad for the banks because they would be losing money. Yeah, therefore, the bank charges you what we call interest on top of your loan, which is an additional sum added to the mortgage. So the whole idea is that you'll want to pay the mortgage as quick as possible to avoid accumulating more and more interest which means the bank gets their money back earlier and everyone is happy. And interest is also the way that banks profit off giving loans. Yeah, so the interest rate that you are charged is calculated as a small percentage of your mortgage loan, usually anywhere between 1% to 4%. But interest rates change due to something else called the cash rate. And it's about it's about to get real tricky here, so just keep up with us. <laughs> The cash rate is determined by the Reserve Bank of Australia and it's essentially used to control inflation, also known as the rising price of goods and services. Obviously, everything we buy or use gradually increases in price over time. You know, think about petrol is, you know, the one thing that comes to mind straight away. Mm -hmm. You know, petrol used to be a dollar. Now it's not. It's not. (laughs) not. Um, And so, The Reserve Bank wants to keep this inflation at a steady rate so that society can keep up, usually at around a 2 to 3% rise consistently over time. So one way the Reserve Bank can control this inflation is by fluctuating the cash rate. Yeah, so the cash rate is the Reserve Bank of Australia's way of controlling inflation and how much our goods and services cost. And when the cash rate is high, interest rates are high. When the cash rate is low interest rates are low. So currently the cash rate is at an all-time low of 0.1% and it has been for the past year, which means that interest rates are also very low. They're towards the lower end of the scale at the moment at 1.8%. So when the cash rate is low, like we see at the moment, this encourages people to spend money and businesses to keep up by producing lots of goods and services. It's keeping prices cheap so everyone can spend more, use more, the economy keeps going. And ultimately, it'll get to a point where the businesses can't keep up with this demand and the prices will inflate. 
Yeah, now you may think that low interest rates are great for home buyers because clearly they pay less money on top of their already huge mortgage loans, but it's a bit deceiving. The current rise in house prices is a partial result of these really low interest rates that we're currently seeing. And because interest rates have been so low for so long, many people have been wanting to buy houses and enter the market and make sure that they secure themselves a good deal. Yeah, not long ago, I was looking through some of my mum's old papers and she had the loan for her house that she bought, um, what, 20 years ago. And the interest rate was 19.7%. Whoa. So that was normal back then. But you can imagine now where they're sitting at about one8 you're a lot more, even though the price is high, you're a lot more inclined to go for that loan because it's not so much money you have to pay back from yeah, the bank. of course. If the interest rate was 19.7% right now, we wouldn't be buying houses that were a million dollars. It just wouldn't be feasible. Yeah. Um, and when there are too many people that are wanting to buy houses and there's not enough houses up for sale, this leads to prices inflating because it becomes extremely competitive to buy a house. If you think of it like this, Just say you have a limited edition pair of shoes and these shoes are going to cost you a lot of money because obviously there's only a few pairs available and hundreds of people want to get their hands on them. So this same principle can be applied to almost everything, including houses. And this is the reason why you see the housing crisis being hit specifically in small places that are really sought after. For example, Noosa, Byron Bay, the Grampians, these areas in Australia have experienced housing prices in the past two years like nowhere else in the country. Yeah. yeah. So if the interest rates are raised, this will essentially deter people from wanting to buy a home, just like we said before, because no one wants to pay a high amount of interest on top of their mortgage. So if people don't buy these houses, the prices will drop in order to encourage people to buy again. Mm -hmm. Let's give another example A retail store like Kmart might sell a piece of clothing for, what, $20. However, people might not buy it because they think it's too expensive or not fashionable, etc. Because no one wants to buy this piece of clothing, Kmart drops the price to $20 and tries to encourage more people to buy it. Yeah, so if interest rates go up and housing prices go down, that might lead to more people wanting to enter the market. Hence why everyone is so keenly waiting for the cash rate and the interest rates to rise. But the Reserve Bank is quite adamant that it won't increase the cash rate until 2024. And this has a lot to do to the pandemic and wanting to revive the economy and make sure that people are spending money again. Mm -hmm. And it is difficult to manage an economy because everything so deeply affects the other. Mm. You know, they do need people to spend, but they're also helping to create a housing crisis. And it's like, which problem do you address and how do you do it at the same time? The big banks and economists are predicting a rise in the cash rate, even though the Reserve Bank of Australia denies that. They're thinking maybe at the end of next year in November 2022. And many people are pinpointing mid-2023 could be an ideal time to buy a house as the rise of the interest rates will begin to have an effect So hold on to your money for now. I mean, no one actually knows anything. Yeah, and like (laughs) – and. You know, obviously the pandemic hit and that threw another spanner in the works in what is quite an already complex relationship between interest rates and the economy and inflation and whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And things could happen. We're not giving financial advice here. Definitely not. (laughs) But you may want to hold off on buying at the moment.
what does the future look like for the housing market? So like we just said, if interest rates do rise, housing prices are predicted to fall by 2023. But knowing our luck, it might not be as simple to buy a house. You know, there are other things we need to consider. And one of those is wage growth. Yes. So at the current moment, wage growth is not keeping up with the current inflation rate. So in order to keep up with inflation and the rising price of goods and services, annual wage growth needs to be above 3%, which hasn't occurred for over a decade. So we're already in dire situations as it is. That's not to say, though, that our wages aren't growing at all in value. A recent analysis has found that wages have increased in value by 81% in the past 20 years. So obviously what we're earning now is more than what people were earning 20 years ago. However, the issue lies in the fact that during the, that same 20-year time period, Australian house prices have shot up by 193%, so double and more. Mm-hmm. It definitely doesn't add up. Mm. And if our wages don't increase at the same rate as housing prices, they will become way too expensive for us, regardless of the interest rates. We just will not be able to pay for them. And it will take longer for people to save for a house deposit, and it will also reduce the number of available buyers in the market. It also means that people will most likely rely on their parents' inheritance money to get them into the housing scene, which we're already seeing quite a bit, which is totally unfair because this only applies to a small section of the population as Mm -hmm. well. And just to finish this up, I just want to say something about, you know, housing is this economic concept and it's a market, but above all, it's a place to live. (laughs) it's, It's one of our basic needs. And that's something that... We need to remember when we're thinking about our opinions on the market and who we're voting for and what needs to be done, that of course it's great to buy a house and get an investment and stock up your portfolio, but it's even more important to have a roof over your head. Yeah. And think about those who don't have a roof over their head. Exactly. And also note that very little will be done in the next election about the housing market because no future prime minister wants to bring in a policy that raises interest rates. As good as it might be for people in the long run, no one wants to be that person to say, hey, I'm going to hike up your interest rates and you're going to have to pay more uh, because people will essentially freak out and Mm -hmm. not vote for that person. So I'm doubting that we'll see much discussion about it in the upcoming election, but there might be a national plan for housing that's developed in addressing supply and things like the first home first homeowners grant and um, all those initiatives that the government is bringing in to make houses a little bit more affordable for people to buy. Mm-hmm. As usual, come election time, think about short-term political promises versus long-term good. We all have to remember it. Alrighty, and now it's time for our recommendation. So, Vanessa, what is your last recommendation for 2021? Oh, that makes me sad. I know, but guys, <laughs> we need a break. We it's do need been a break. A <laughs> So my recommendation is an ABC article about the Queensland housing crisis. Um, Amongst the states, Queensland has been hit the hardest because people from Melbourne and Sydney in particular that are working from home and they've realised, why do I live in Melbourne and Sydney when I can live in Queensland and still make amazing money, have flocked up to the Sunshine State and it's causing a real problem for the people that live there because they're being priced out of rentals and properties. Um, so yeah, this article's a pretty good one and it's just really bringing light to the fact that the housing crisis is real. It affects real lives and it's not just about growing a property portfolio. 
Yeah, exactly. I'm going on a bit of a different tangent with my recommendations. We discussed a little bit about how there is a bit more of a traditional notion that investing in a house is the best kind of investment you can make. Especially now we're finding that we can diversify a portfolio and invest in other asset classes. I know for myself that investing in something like stocks used to be very scary because I had no idea about it. But there are some really easy apps that you can use to start investing elsewhere and not think too much about your housing situation or, Mm -hmm. you know, where that, or even saving for a mortgage, perhaps this could make it a little bit easier for you. So any um, micro investing app like Raze or Spaceship or anything like that, there are hundreds out there, Mm -hmm. can just get your foot in the door and perhaps put your financial heart at ease. Yeah, they're really easy to use and you can start with like $10. You don't need to invest a big amount like you do with regular stocks and of course, housing. So yeah, it's a really great way to think about your financial future. All right. And that wraps up our episode for today and also our 2021 in review. Thank you to everyone who's joined us this year. We've grown, we've laughed, we've had some hate sent our way as well. <laughs> we have, mostly from conspiracy theorists, so it's fine. But, um, but <laughs> Once again, we've loved making this podcast for you and having you engage with us. So make sure you stick around for 2022. We have some big things in store. (laughs) We hope you enjoyed this year with us. Um, I know we did and hope that you guys have some relaxing summer time for yourself too, just like we will. Yeah, I mean, I'm a teacher. I'm I'm on school holidays. I'm ready. It's hot girl summer. (laughs) Hot girl teacher summer. As per usual, we'll leave all the information we've discussed in our show notes today if you want to check that out. Yes. And in the meantime, over your summer holes, check out all our old episodes if you haven't listened to them. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Australia Explained. Um, And yeah, just have a great time. That's the biggest instruction. Yeah, share us around, leave a review, rate, all those good things as well. See you next year. Bye. Bye.